Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Week 7 in the Sun Belt. It began on Tuesday night with Coastal Carolina taking down App State in Boone. When you look back to last Saturday, Marshall suffered their first loss last weekend. Louisiana came from behind to down Texas State. And the West Power, South Alabama and Troy had big statement wins. This Saturday, Kanan has a chance to provide two Game of the Year candidates, and we're excited to talk about it. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about our last episode. We welcomed the Athletics' Chris Benini onto the Frary and Smith podcast. Chris provided a midseason review for the league, and the guys answered all your mailbag questions. If you missed it, you're going to want to give it a listen. Today on episode 129 of the show, it's time for our Week 7 preview presented by Lafayette Travel. We're excited to preview our game of the week between James Madison and Georgia Southern. We'll break down Georgia State and Marshall's big battle in Atlanta. Plus, we'll look at Troy's trip to West Point and talk Texas State's chances to rebound versus ULM. Caden, I thought about asking you for your thoughts on Coastal Carolina and App State, but we'll save that for Monday's episode. Four games left in Week 7, two Game of the Year candidates. What are you excited about when it comes to Saturday? Definitely not going to be excited about re- recapping that that, that that loss that App State took during the week, that's for sure. But as far as looking forward to this weekend slate, I know it's not the biggest slate, which makes me thankful as a watcher, remembering the early weeks of the season, having to try to watch multiple Sunbelt teams taking on different non-conference opponents at the same time. We have a solid slate of four games here, some teams coming off some buys, some contrasts of styles, I think, some similar styles in some of these teams in the matchups, and I think just a great, concise slate. So I'm just excited to have my full attention on these four games throughout this weekend. Well, Caden, before we get into talking about those games, we've made it tradition over the last couple of weeks to talk about our Sunbelt Power Rankings We dropped those on Thursday this week as opposed to Tuesday. We waited until after App State and Coastal Carolina had faced off on Tuesday night. Kane, let's jump into those. For me, the biggest story this week in our power rankings was the rise of Louisiana. They jump up five spots. We had them at 10. They're now sitting at number five, one spot ahead of Texas State. Kane, that was a huge win against Texas State and a well-deserved jump for the Ragin' Cajuns after how they've been playing over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. No, I think when we looked and talked last time, we kind of grouped these teams up as far as tiers go. When you looked at that contender spot, we were pretty clear that it was going to be fluid between those kind of top two contenders we saw in Georgia Southern and Texas State with the team three, three teams ahead of them going all the way down to the bottom four teams. And I think Louisiana is just a perfect example of the fluidity I think we can see with this conference. That was a team that had the loss to Old Dominion early bounces back and brings really one of the most impressive wins I think we've seen in the conference this year coming from behind against a Texas state that we regard highly, the nation regards highly. And I think the biggest reason I think for their jump is just the championship DNA. It's an intangible thing. You can't really quantify it, but I saw it in that game in the second half, particularly watching Zeon Chris kind of grow in front of our eyes, watch their defense really step up and stop an offense that we haven't watched get stopped a lot. So I think when you look at the direction and the trajectory of this team, I think they kind of have some of that championship DNA to them. It's clear that they could beat anyone in a shootout if they're willing to beat a team like Texas State. I think they showed a lot in that Texas State win, a lot that the teams behind them haven't showed now. And I'm very excited for them moving forward this season as a team that could potentially keep climbing, especially with some matchups they have with some of the teams ahead of them. Well, Kane, when you talk about championship DNA, I listen, you've been there, you've done that. Georgia State sitting at number eight, Kane, they dropped down a pair of spots here. Is Georgia State suddenly a little bit underrated right now? 
I think they are. That was kind of the hard thing with the rankings this week is that there were some teams that had some bye weeks, so we obviously didn't get to see them play. And as a result, some teams that we did get to see play got to take a jump up. So I think they just got penalized for that. But I definitely think as far as them being a top contender, they're still there. They're still in the mix. They had a really impressive win against Coastal the last time we saw them play. And now they have an opportunity to double down on that coming off a bye week against Marshall. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers were able to pull off that win at home to see kind of a Louisiana-esque jump in our power rankings. And you know that East is vicious and every win counts. So I think the East teams in particular, not just Georgia State, could have a potential to kind of suffer in these power rankings moving forward, just given they're going to probably be beating up on each other quite a bit this year. Caden, Coastal Carolina scoring their first ever win in Boone, North Carolina on Tuesday. App drops three spots down to number 10. What are your thoughts? That's definitely tough. I think Coastal definitely needed that win. It was a must-win game for them. And I think them being still a little bit lower in our power rankings is more representative of what we saw in their two get losses to Georgia Southern and Georgia State versus their win to App State. And I think for App State's standpoint, you look at them, they're right at the bottom of the top, I think, right now. You look at their, their loss to Coastal at home, and then you look at their very, very narrow win against Louisiana Monroe team that could have pretty much been chalked up as a loss, that's a team that could have very easily been 0-2 in conference play to start off. Instead, they get billed out and they're 1-1. So they're kind of sitting right as far as that bottom contender list goes. And like I mentioned before, they have to play East schedule. That's super tough. So if they don't win some games, that could be a team that potentially drops even more this year, as much as I hate to say it. Caden, should Old Dominion be ranked higher than 11 right now? I don't think so. I think right now they're kind of the, the bottom or the top of the bottom, rather. I think those four teams, like we mentioned, are teams that necessarily have championship aspirations. But out of the four of them, there's no question that as far as the peaks that we've seen from all four of those teams, that Old Dominion is the best one. We've seen some great offensive peaks for them. We've seen the, their defense play some shutout defense like they did last week against Southern Miss. So I think it's at the point now where if you looked at Old Dominion, all the teams below them, you would pick them winning. And then all the teams above them, you would think they have more of a fighting chance than the teams below them, but still pick them to lose. Hey, they've got a big matchup coming up against App State after their bye week. Well, as promised, we'll be previewing all the must-watch matchups in Week 7 of Sunbelt Football. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's preview. All right, everyone, like we promised, we're previewing each of this weekend's remaining matchups in the Sunbelt. Caden, like we do every week, we'll get started by talking about our game of the week. Easy pick here for me. It was James Madison, Georgia Southern. This game takes place at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on ESPN2. Caden, you'll be on your couch watching it. I'll be on the sidelines watching this one. Last year was the first meeting for these teams since 1992. Georgia Southern ended then number 25 ranked JMU's hopes at an undefeated season. Centeno and Van Trees, Caden, they combined for over 1,000 yards of passing. There were 112 throws in this game. Derwin Burgess had the go-ahead touchdown with a minute and 10 seconds left. This was interesting, too. When you look back to 1986, Georgia Southern's actually won eight straight in this series. Caden, when you look at this matchup, this is the ultimate contrast of styles. JMU sports a balanced offense. It couples it with one of the league's best defenses, particularly up front. Georgia Southern, they're going to bring that air raid attack to Harrisonburg. They also have an opportunistic defense that's been forcing a lot of turnovers this year. Why will this make for such an exciting matchup on Saturday? It's the contrast of styles, like you mentioned, Noah, I think as a former player and a football nerd, this is just almost a fascinating case study to me as far as what the direction of the sport as a whole is going. You look at a James Madison team whose identity is all about being a physical team, a physical brand of football. The brand of football, you're just used to your parents watching, just nitty gritty and really it being successful for them. And then obviously we're talking more about their defense because their offense is a little bit more balanced. They have a nice 
run game element they have going there and some opportunities they set up for the pass game. But their defensive front seven is actually scary. Like they have the best defensive line in the conference by far, and they have some very fast, twitchy linebackers that are playing behind them very well. And it's not even the group of linebackers that we mentioned at the beginning of the season. We were very high on Jalen Walker and Tarish Jones. They only appeared and started in the first two games of the season. So you have to give a shout out to Aiden Fisher and Trent Hendrick for really filling up and stepping up at those linebacker spots and maintaining that extremely high standard that's been set on this defense. I mean, you could argue this defense is even better this year as far as their ability to get after the pass rush and stop the run. They lead the nation. They lead the team. Rather, they um, lead the conference in sacks right now. They're leading the nation in sacks, I believe, as well. Their run defense is the best in the nation by far as far as every category, all four run stopping categories. And they really, like I mentioned before, that boa constrictor that squeezes the life out of your run game and makes you one dimensional. But the good news for Georgia Southern is they're already one dimensional. They've almost taken the part of JMU strength out of the game by being the team that runs the ball the very least in the entire conference. No team that doesn't run the ball can't have an effective, doesn't have to play in JMU's box necessarily. They're already kind of leaning into that style right now. So I'm just fascinated to see how that plays out. You talk about a guy in Davis Brin who's picked up right where Kyle Van Treese left off last year. This team has 337 yards through the air per game, 35 points per game. Bryn's completing 70% of his passes. And this wide receiver core, kind of similarly to how James Madison up front is looking even better than we thought they could last year, this wide receiver core, I feel like, is stepping up in their second year in the system. Caleb Hood, Derwin Burgess, Anthony Keeley, the Syracuse transfer, each of those guys has more than 20 catches, more than 200 yards, three touchdowns this season. And while they don't run the ball much, they're now using the ball when they do run the ball, they're using O.J. Arnold just as much as they are with Jalen White, and it's really become a nice two-headed combo for them. I think right now, O.J. Arnold even has more rushing yards and more passing yards than Jalen White, and we know how good of a year he had last year. So even in the run game that they use on a limited basis, they're looking a little bit more dynamic this year. You could debate outside of Texas State that nobody really throws and catches and moves the ball down the field quite like the Eagles, and we know that nobody really has stopped offense this year quite like James Madison. So really excited to see kind of which team and which style will be able to impose their will and make the other team play their brand of football on this one. I think it's going to be a lot of chess. Caden, you mentioned Kyle Van Trees during that answer, and this was the game last year when Van Trees truly became a legend at Georgia Southern. He threw for almost 600 yards, had four touchdowns, and it feels like this is a chance for Davis Brin to do the same thing. He passed his first Sunbelt test in that win over Coastal Carolina, threw for 322 yards and three touchdowns. He's already thrown for north of 1,600 yards. He has 12 touchdowns this year, seven interceptions so far, Kanan, but five of those against Wisconsin. You discount those only two interceptions this year. He hasn't thrown one in his last two games. Are you expecting Davis Brin to pass this big Sunbelt Conference test? It's interesting because of the two elements you talked about. Obviously, Davis looked great against Coastal Carolina. He has over 300 yards yet again, three touchdown passes, no turnovers, no interceptions, which is huge. But that was a game at home against a coastal defense that we know has been improved compared to last year, but doesn't compare nearly as far as defensive pedigree goes to a James Madison team. And it's at James Madison for this matchup. We're familiar with how great James Madison is at stopping the run. I think it's so much so that their pass rushing prowess has almost been overlooked. Jalen Green, Mikhail Kamara, Jamari Chroma, James Carpenter, they're absolutely positively an offensive line and a quarterback's worst nightmare. Green's has six and a half sacks this season, which is third in the nation. And they have three of the top four sack leaders in the conference right now. They're all fast. They're all physical. They have a bunch of pass rushing tools. And it's clear that they make each other better because you can just not give one of them attention and expect the other one not to produce. So you have to give credit to them. And I think why that's so important is because, like you mentioned, when we saw Davis Brim play his worst game of the year, it was when he was under duress. The last season, the Eagles 
were phenomenal at protecting the quarterback. And last year, we saw Kyle Vantrese was not sacked a single time in that game against James Madison, which resulted in him almost throwing for 600 yards and throwing four touchdowns. Versus Wisconsin this year, we saw Davis Brim was made very uncomfortable by a unit who sacked him four times, forced him into some of those turnovers turnovers we saw so i think in this scenario it's going to be very interesting to see if james madison can get to him the same way wisconsin could or do we see what we saw last year from this matchup where the quarterback can be comfortable and really run up the points so i think that's a very very key matchup and i think that's maybe where you can say the game can be won and lost in this one yeah i think that is the key to this game can james madison make davis brin uncomfortable in the pocket force them to you know make some different decisions outside of the norm i think that'll be something that we're all keeping on our eyes on not many flaws right now for JMU this season, Caden, but if you had to pick out one, it's got to be the secondary. Uh, they're worst in the Sun Belt, giving up 311 yards per game through the air, and they're going up against the league's best unit. Uh, they have 337 yards per game through the air each game when speaking of Georgia Southern. Caden, this is a unit that you mentioned already boasts guys like Caleb Hood and Derwin Burgess, plus that contingent of you know strong supporting cast members. This is a huge test for JMU secondary. Yeah, if Davis Brennan, it's a big if, if he's able to operate and be comfortable back there, the matchups on this outside will be a huge key from this game. JMU's style of defense makes other teams throw the ball more, and as a result, that's why they're giving up the most yards in the air per game in the conference with 311. Teams try to run the ball. They can't run the ball. A lot of times they're down to James Madison as well. So as a result, they throw the ball a lot. It's real simple. But this is a team that's going to come out throwing the ball. They're going to come out swinging. And I think if he does have time back there, it's going to present a huge challenge for these defensive backs. They haven't faced an opponent quite like this that's really elite at throwing the football. So very interested to see how it plays out. We talked about Chauncey Logan a ton this offseason, a great young corner who's going to be tested against a guy like Caleb Hood. But opposite of him is another young corner in D'Angelo Pons who leads this team and passes defended right now as a true freshman. It's a very similar arc to what we saw Chauncey Logan doing last year. So I'm very curious to see how he plays in this one because he's not a big guy. He's five foot nine. 160 pounds. And if I were Brian Ellis, I would get Durham Burgess lined up on that guy as much as possible. One of the best 50-50 pass catchers in this league. I would line up right across from him, see if he's ready for that physical test. But I really like what I've seen from the veteran safety, Francis Meehan this season. He's always in the right place at the right time. He has a couple interceptions. So very excited to watch this back end. The tight ends get involved as well for Georgia Southern. You always have to be worried about those running backs coming out of the backfield. So I think overall, just as far as a coverage standpoint, this is going to be a huge test for this team, especially if Davis Brin has time to operate back there the same reason, the same way rather that Kyle Vantrese was able to last year. Certainly has a chance to be a game of the year candidate in the Sun Belt, perhaps even at the G5 level. A huge matchup taking place in Harrisonburg over the weekend. Caden, let's make some picks on this one. I know you and I, going into this episode, we're still a little bit up in the air on how we were leaning. James Madison, a four and a half point favorite over under, sitting at 58 and a half. Uh, how about you go first? I think I'm going to take Georgia Southern in this one to pull off the upset. I'm thinking of and looking at James Madison's schedule, and I don't know how many other opportunities I'm going to have to bet against the Duke. So I'm going to bet against them this week. I'm going to take Georgia Southern's offensive style, dictating the pace of this game, them being able to put up points, putting the pressure on James Madison's offense to produce and coming away with a win. I think it's going to be a battle of contrast of styles. I think in this matchup, Georgia Southern could have the advantage in the past game and being able to score points. I'm going to take the over on this one, but I'm not going to bet against James Madison much this year but I'm going to take my opportunity to right now and bet against them and say Georgia Southern is going to win. Okay, and I am not going in that direction. I am not betting against the Dukes in Harrisonburg. I do think one thing we haven't mentioned, that weather could play a little bit of a role in this game. Uh, expecting some rain in the forecast as of right now, that obviously could change. But 
Um, James Madison, they've been so balanced on offense. Kate and that defense has been outstanding. You know, we mentioned, I think the big key to this game, can they get pressure on Davis Brin and all season long, they have shown the ability to get pressure on opposing teams, quarterbacks. I think they're going to make things difficult on Davis Brin. I think Jordan McLeod in the offense is going to put up points in this game. And I think JMU is going to win a tight one, uh, over Georgia Southern to remain undefeated. And kind of make things a lot more murky in that East division with James Madison not eligible for the championship. So give me the Dukes to win over under at 58 and a half. I feel like that's, uh, you know, a slam dunk to go down, uh, particularly if there's, you know, anything but decent weather in this game. Hey there, Sunbelt fans. Are you ready to score big with an unforgettable getaway to the heart of Louisiana's Cajun and Creole country? Look no further than Lafayette, Louisiana, your ultimate destination for football, fun, and fantastic memories. Immerse yourself in Lafayette's vibrant culture, savor the mouth-watering Cajun cuisine, and cheer on your favorite Sunbelt team. Visit Lafayette, Louisiana, where every day is a touchdown celebration. Head to LafayetteTravel.com slash Smith to start planning your ultimate Sunbelt football getaway. Okay, and moving on to Georgia State versus Marshall. This game uh, in Atlanta, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN2. Last year was the first meeting between these two programs. Marshall won it 28-23 in Huntington. They had uh, or they held Georgia State to just 62 yards per, or on the ground in this game. It was Ali's second game back last year. Him and LeBourne had 100-plus yards on the ground. Both teams, uh, you know, can move within a, 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 or with a win to within a game of bowl eligibility in this one. Caden, I wanted to start and just talk high level real quick. Both teams, they're sitting at 4-1. and one. They're both coming off their first losses to Troy and NC State, respectively. This is an important game for both programs. Given how competitive the East is, who's this game more important for? That's a tough one, though. I think when you look at the East, there's no question that every single game is going to matter for the East schedule. I mean, there's no easy games. Even an Old Dominion team showed Marshall themselves personally that they couldn't be played with either. So I think every single battle in the East is going to be a dogfight. But I think as far as who needs it more, I think it's going to be Georgia State who needs it more. Marshall's still undefeated in conference play as we speak. And Georgia State has some momentum that we really haven't seen in their program in a while as far as them getting off to an undefeated start. And Fortunately, they had that loss to Troy, but I think that's a, an opponent on the other side of the conference. They can still have some momentum and some room to grow as far as taking care of business on the eastern side of the conference. I think if Marshall drops this one early, they could still do damage late in the season just because their style of play is more built for that month of November. So I think as far as programs and the state of the program goes and just looking at this east slate moving forward, I think Georgia State is probably the one who would probably need this game a little bit more, especially at home. Caden, Marshall's success in this game it revolves around what their defense can give them. They've taken a step back kind of over the last two weeks. They've given up 41 points per game versus Old Dominion and NC State, uh, two teams dealing with quarterback changes. Uh, they're not getting to the quarterback as much over these last two weeks. They've had just four combined sacks. They averaged five per game in the first three weeks of the year. They've given up two straight 400-plus yard games. Caden, are you expecting to see a bounce back from this Marshall defense against Georgia State? 
Yeah, I'm expecting them to bounce back. I mean, they had two surprisingly disappointing performances in back-to-back weeks that you're just not ready from seeing, not used to seeing from this thundering herd team. And I think they'll be looking to reset and kind of get back right in this game. I'd imagine from experience, just being at a program where defense is taken very seriously with a veteran group of leaders, they probably all got together, had some kind of meeting, some kind of kumbaya as far as them not being able to uphold that standard the last couple of weeks and imagine that they had that talk amongst the players and will be looking to improve for sure this week and doing everything they can to not give up 40 points in a third straight week that's just not the standard they're used to they're not used to it their fans aren't used to it I'm not used to watching it as a team that picked them to win the conference I'll definitely think they'll be looking to reset and kind of build off of and create some new momentum on that side of the ball their issue has been pretty obvious and it's the big play this unit in the last two weeks has just found a way in particular in the run game against Old Dominion and particularly in the pass game against NC State to just give up some of these monster runs or get gashed in the passing game from time to time that happens Sometimes when you're playing teams, you're going to have those explosive plays that you can't do anything about. Some stuff happens, but typically when it does, when when that happens to Marshall, they do a really good job of keeping teams out of the end zone, and that just hasn't been the case this year. Last week, you see a 62-yard touchdown pass, 39-yard touchdown pass, 37-yard touchdown pass against Old Dominion, 66-yard touchdown run, 70-yard touchdown yep run, another 69-yarder, another 75-yarder. This is just not Marshall's brand of football. I think this defense on a down-to-down basis can hang with absolutely anybody in the country. If you cut off the big play categories of their film and just watch their last two weeks of playing, you'd be impressed by this team per usual. They fly to the ball. Their secondary is one of the best in the entire country. But on certain plays, they just miss that one tackle or have that one misfit in the run game. And then the second level, you get some poor tackling or a missed angle. And next thing you know, it's a house call. So they can lean on their secondary plenty in this game going forward in the future. They had three interceptions last week. They're nationally ranked number seven as far as total air yards allowed this year, average yards per attempt, and number four in the country in opponent completion percentage. So they obviously still have a lot of the building blocks that's been the key to their success moving forward. I just think the question is up front, can you play discipline? Can you get things down in the run game and in the back end? Can if, if some explosive plays do happen, can those guys in the secondary get it down and keep it keep these teams out of the end zone like we're accustomed to seeing with this Marshall defense? I think discipline's the right word, Caden, because you you know as I or as well as I do that it it really comes down to four or five plays in every football game, and this Marshall team needs to prove that they can play those four or five plays well. There's no denying the strength of the defense across the board. One of the things I'm really excited about in this matchup is this quarterback running back duos of both of these sides. You've got Georgia State's Darren Granger and Marcus Carroll, Marshall. You've got Cam Fancher and Rasheen Ali. Both quarterbacks are in the top half of the league right now in passing. They both display that big-time dual-threat ability. Each of these running backs have nine touchdown runs this year. They're ranked fourth and fifth, respectively, in rushing yards per game this year. Both are averaging 4.1 yards per carry. Caden, does this get any better? (laughs) No, it does not get much bigger than this. I think when you look at this conference, this is arguably the two best running back and quarterback duos we have. I also... I think these quarterbacks have very similar styles of play, and I believe Cam Fancher is almost a younger version of a Darren Granger where we saw some of those early mistakes in his game but still saw a lot of promise. I think he'll be able to grow, have a similar arc as Darren Granger, how we've seen him be able to steady improve in his career. Just talking about Granger and Carroll at first, coming off of a bye week with some fresh legs I think is huge for this offense because their legs work more than any other offense in the conference. These two have combined 
for all but 29 of this team's rushing yards this season. This duo has 871 yards on the ground this year. And of course, Darren Granger has thrown for all of their yards this year. So I think long-term, is that sustainable for this team? I think we'll find out. But I think for this game in particular, both of these guys coming off of a bye week will be huge. I think both of their legs and just both of their carries and touches and their production will be at their full disposal, especially in a big game at home coming off a bye. We've seen Darren be particularly effective moving the chains this season on design runs on those third and medium plays, which has been great for this offense. We obviously know what he gives to us as a scrambler. And Marcus is who we thought he'd be this year. He's getting fed the ball and capitalizing with over 500 yards and nine scores in the first five games, standing toe-to-toe with a lot of guys in the league who have played six games this season. It might sound crazy, but he's just a good back. Like That's just the best way to describe him. Like He's just a very solid and balanced back. He reminds me of a guy, Elijah Mitchell, who played at Louisiana in the conference, who's now on the 49ers, who's kind of just one of those tough guys to tackle because you never know what he's going to hit you with. He has the strength to run you over. He has the speed to juke you out. He has a stiff arm in this game. So it's just a very effective back, very hard to tackle. And I think when you pair that with Granger, who's now shown a ton of growth as an effective passer inside and outside of the pocket, he's completing his passes at a career rate. He's getting the ball out quick to his weapons. He's making the right decision every single time. This team has leaned on the run a lot less than they have in the past, and that's because Darren has been very surgical with the rock, and he's just been very effective in the passing game. I think they've thrown the ball more than they have in the last couple of years, and a lot of that has to do with Darren's um, arm and how he's grown. They're obviously facing an elite defense, and I think they're going to need to generate some momentum of their own going against a defense who themselves is looking to generate it. But I think as far as Darren Granger and this running back Marcus Carroll going up against Marshall's defense, very excited to see who shows up between that matchup of a team coming off of a bye week and a defense that's coming and trying to produce some new momentum for themselves with a tough challenge for them as well. Kane, you spent a lot of time on Granger and Carroll there. What are your thoughts on Fancher and Ali heading into this matchup? Definitely just another duo that's proven that they're one of the best running back quarterback duos in the league. We're watching Cam Fancher really grow as a passer in front of our eyes, seemingly, especially when you look at the game he had last week where I argue it's probably his strongest performance throwing the ball of his career and be able to do that against an ACC opponent throwing for 315 yards, two touchdowns, and also punching in two touchdowns on the ground when the running game wasn't really there for this team. I think it was a great breakout performance for him heading into this matchup against a quarterback who's kind of had his breakout moments as well as he's grown and ascended into one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the conference. It was the first time watching Cam make the throws all in the game where he was making all of the throws. It's not just the underneath stuff. It's not just the overtop stuff. He was really hitting the short, intermediate, and deep passing game. He had time when he when or when he did have time rather he was producing at a high clip but when he was under some duress we saw some of those mistakes that he has to fix as far as being able to turn the ball over fumbling the ball interceptions we know that's a clear area of his game that's an issue and that was an issue for Darren Granger's game a few years ago but now we're seeing him hopefully grow in that element of his game as much as he's growing in the passing element of his game. He's facing a Georgia State defense who the last time we saw them had a fantastic performance against Coastal Carolina's receiving core. And we know that that receiving core, for just being honest, is a little bit more talented than the guys he has. So I'm very curious from an arm perspective. We know he can run the ball. We know he can operate and punch in first down conversions for this team, punch down touchdowns when this team needs. But the question is, against the secondary who's kind of hot right now, can he produce the same way he did against NC State last week? And I think when you look at Rasheen Ali, he's coming off of a game where it was just uncharacteristic for him from what we've seen this entire season. He had a season-low 63 yards. He didn't get into the end zone for the first time after getting in the end zone twice a game at least in the beginning of the season. So I think him being able to bounce back in this game is a huge question mark and a huge key for it. Um, I think it has more to do with the offensive line than him, if we're being honest. When you look at that NC State unit, they're big, fast, and strong. And I think 
they were just well positioned every single down to where they got in the right spot and the linebackers behind them who are very athletic were able to just knock things down the entire ball game. But I think the interesting part of it is Georgia State does have a pretty similar strategy up front. We know that their linebacking core is one of their strengths. So I think Ali should have a better time getting past that first level. But how is he going to act in that second level when he has John Trey Hunter wedding for him? Justin Abraham who's having a great year. We know Jordan Benzial is still in the mix. And then you have guys like Tyge Leach coming down. We have Kevin Swint lurking somewhere. This defense, if they do what they're supposed to do at a high effort, they have this scheme and the athleticism to be really elite run-stopping unit. The question is, can they do that for four quarters against Rasheen Ali? We've seen traditionally this season, his style has very has very much worn on teams throughout the game. You might stop him for a drive. You might stop him for the quarter. But then when you get to that third and fourth quarter, can you still bring this guy down? Can you still tackle him? And that's where you see him making one guy miss, making two guys miss, having gashing runs and scoring, especially in the red zone where he gets that healthy dose of touch it. So we know last year, as you mentioned, Rasheen Ali was just getting his feet under him off that injury. He still had 100 yards and a touchdown in that game. So I would look for him to try to do damage just like he did last year in this week's game, especially coming off of more of a down week against NC State. Definitely a tantalizing matchup between, uh, you know, those running back and quarterback duos. Caden, Georgia State, a one-point favorite over under sitting at 55. I'll go ahead and go first here on the pick. I, I took the spread for each of Marshall's last two opponents, NC State, Old Dominion. I was successful on both of those. Uh, Georgia State gets the you know slight nod right now because they're at home. But in the end, I think Marshall is the better football team. Their defense has struggled a bit lately, but I think they're going to have a nice game in this one. Plus, I've got Ali getting back in the end zone. Give me Marshall to win in a game that has enough points to hit the over. How are you leading? I know I picked Marshall in this season to come out of the East and be that representative for the East side of this conference, but I do like Georgia State in this matchup. There's something about this team coming off of a bye week that scares me. I know Darren Granger and Marcus Carroll in the backfield are going to have fresh legs, which they're going to need in this matchup. And Marshall's defensive concerns still continue to scare me, especially given the fact that MJ Morris, a dual threat quarterback, was able to get the best of them. I think Darren Granger could be able to do some similar things as well at home. We know there's not going to be a huge crowd, but I think this Georgia State team will come out with some of the similar energy we saw at Coastal Carolina and just moving at a different pace and intensity with their head coach and their strength coach and what they have going on over there. So I'm going to take Georgia State in this one, covering that one point, but I'll take the under on the points. I think this is going to be a matchup that's one of the trenches, super physical, a lot of running the ball, maybe a little bit more low scoring than we're accustomed to seeing, especially from Georgia State. Troy at Army, Caden, the third matchup we will preview in this episode, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. Troy won the first ever meeting between these two programs last year, 10-9. to They came back after trailing 9-0 at halftime. You might remember Tez Johnson had the game-winning touchdown with just over eight minutes to go in front of a massive crowd of over 31,000 at Veterans Memorial. Troy's got one goal in this game, Caden. You want to stop the run, and then you get to have a little bit of fun. Army, they're a triple option team. They're averaging nearly 200 yards per game on the ground. Troy has been one of the best run-stopping defenses in the conference at 87 yards per game this year. Army does have a few more wrinkles this year on offense. I had a chance to watch them play UTSA earlier this year. They threw it more than maybe we've seen them do it in the past. With that big front that Troy has, Kanan, how do you like their chances of stopping the run versus Army? I like their chances a lot. I think we've both kind of been a little bit critical of Troy as far as their ability to get over, get onto the quarterback rather in the pass rush. But their their run defense has been undeniable this year, though. You talk about them only allowing 84 yards per game on the ground in the conference. If James Madison wasn't the best in the nation at that, they'd be leading the conference right now. But it is a simple game plan. This is one of those games playing a triple option attack 
where you just have to be disciplined and be where you have to be in the box. This is a team that proved they could do it last year by shutting down Army and playing very well, holding them to nine points. I imagine they'll be able to do it again with a lot of the same personnel they had last year. And this is just a disciplined defense. They're really built as a defense to play a triple option team because it all comes down to how you prepare during the week. Because when you play these kind of teams, you could stop them all day, but then you have that one play where your linebacker doesn't fit right or your defensive lineman makes the wrong decision or your defensive back doesn't take the pitch, man. And next thing you know, you have points scored on you. So I think this team's been living in the backfield all year. I think they'll be able to do it this season again when they play Army. And I'm very curious to see how the defensive backs get involved in the run game. I know that the guys like Oshai Fletcher, Reddy Stewart will probably have their numbers called more often than not to be in the run game as well. But when they do stop things, when they do stifle this offense, and if their offense can do what they think they can do in this game is get ahead, I think Army's going to have to play a little bit out of their style. They're going to have to throw a ball a little bit, and that's when we can see this Troy secondary really capitalize and maybe get their hands on some interceptions. This quarterback's thrown four this year, and I think this Troy secondary definitely is itching to get their hands on one of them. We mentioned how close this game was last year, Troy winning it 10-9. to Army doesn't have a bad defense, Caden. 20 points per game allowed, 330 yards per game, uh, you know, in total, which are actually both improvements over last year's Army defense. But, Caden, this is not the same Troy offense. You've got Kamani Vidal, who's been a human wrecking ball all season long. Gunnar Watson's playing at an extremely high level. This is a real chance for them to make a statement that this offense is indeed improved over last year. Yeah, and you have to imagine that's their theme of the entire week. When you look at this offense, they look around and know that they're a different unit. They know they're moving with a different swagger and energy and all starts with Gunnar Watson, the tip of the spear, playing much more improved ball this year. And Kamani Vidal taking his game to a whole nother level. And the fact that they're that good this season, and you look at what they did last year, and they were shut out in the first two quarters of this game, didn't get a touchdown until the very end in the fourth quarter. They're probably highly motivated to show this team, hey, we know we had some offensive struggles last year. We know our defense kind of dragged us to a conference championship game, but things are going to be a little bit different this season. You obviously know that the receiving core got a lot of their talent back. They've stepped up a ton big in this game. This is going to be probably the most important matchup, I think, for them because the secondary does play great. They do a great job eliminating explosive plays, but they have those athletes like Chris Lewis, who we mentioned, some other guys, the Deshaun Stoudemire's of the world, the Rajay Johnsons, who've really been playing great this year and have had great timing and connections with Gunnar Watson. So I expect this unit to come out and really try to prove a point that, hey, we know y'all held us to 10 points last year, but we're probably going to get 10 in these first two drives this year. Yeah, definitely. They would love to, uh, you know, put some points up on the board and continue to prove that this offense is indeed improved. Caden Troy, four and a half point favorite over under at 55. How are you leaning in this matchup? Yeah, I'm taking Troy to win cover, and I'm going to take the over on the points. I really expect their offense to kind of have that similar mindset that they had against Arkansas State, where they want to prove that they can put up numbers, prove they can do production. And I think they'll have extra motivation going up against this team. The question is going to be the control of the clock. We know with the triple option attack, those seconds just tick and tick and tick off the board. So that kind of makes me want to take the under. But I do think Troy this season has the firepower that when they do get the ball, even if it's on a limited basis with Army controlling the clock, they'll be able to capitalize and we can hit the over on the points. Caden, much like you, I don't expect this one to be as low scoring as last year's game, just 19 points a year ago. But both of these teams have improved offenses. I do think Troy has the better defense right now, and it's going to be the difference in this game. I'm expecting to see a close game, but I think Kamani Vidal is going to continue to play well. So give me Troy uh, to cover the four and a half, and we're going to punch the under on 55 because of those clock issues that you mentioned. Moving on, Texas State versus ULM. This one at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN+. And Caden, I went down a rabbit hole here. G.J. Kinney, he was born in 1988. 
Terry Bowden was actually the head coach at Sanford in 1988. <laughs> Texas State is 4-6 all-time versus ULM. They lost 31-30 to after giving up the go-ahead touchdown with 10-20 left in last year's game. They had led the entire game, similar to what we saw against Louisiana last week for the Bobcats. Kane, the Bobcats just 2-3 and all-time at home against ULM. The most intriguing thing about this matchup is how does Texas State respond after that Louisiana loss? They're now sitting at 4-2. Four, four Chris Vanini, or when we talked to him on Wednesday's episode about the expectations, they had just eight combined wins in the last two seasons, but now they're on the precipice of their first ever bowl game. Caden, how do you expect Texas State to respond coming off a loss? Well, last time we saw them lose, they responded by throttling Jackson State. So I don't know if they're going to be capable of doing that as much in conference play, but I expect a similar response from them. This team has responded so far great this year. Their losses have all been tough, close ones by one score. And I think now we're starting to see this team and this program who has obviously had a great start to the season get tested the most they have been possible as far as mentally are they going to be a team that reverts back to their old ways when they get put into pressure? Or is this a new era where Coach Kinney can keep his guys motivated on a weekly to weekly basis and they can perform at their highest potential? Both of those losses, like I mentioned, were super close. And I think both of them have that similar theme as far as them kind of taking their foot off the gas in the second half. If you look at them and their games, it's just been a theme this year that this team has played better in the first half and the second half. So I think the question for me personally is can they do what South Alabama did to this ULM defense last week when they put up a ton of points and had an absolutely dominant performance or do they get out early and the score is more reminiscent of what we saw in the Louisiana Monroe App State game where you let a team like that hang around let them team score points similar to how they played Southern Miss as well where they got out to a big lead and they were able to crawl back in so I think Texas State is probably going to win this game they have the talent to win this game the question is how do they do it and can they maybe show hey we know we had a tough loss on a a stage that felt very much like a championship stage, but we're going to bounce back this week. And we're going to show you that we're still that dominant offense that can be complimented by complimented by a great defense. that can still be a team that's a contender in the West to be in this title game. Okay. And I don't know about you, but when you start to look at this game, it feels like a big mismatch. Texas state, they're averaging 23 points per game more this year than ULM. They're over 170 yards per game more in terms of total offense. They are almost even in the rushing department. I think that's going to be an interesting aspect of this game. Texas State has legitimate star power. ULM, they just don't right now. Can this ULM defense slow down this high-flying Bobcats offense? I don't know, but they can. But they, I don't know if they can, but they'll definitely have to try their best. I mean, this def defense is giving up 34 points a game, and the Bobcats are scoring 41 a game. So it's definitely just a total mismatch. And I think when you look at both rosters and who's producing for them, I mean, it's hard not to fall in love with this Texas State offense. Obviously, Ismail Mahdi is having a fantastic all-purpose season. We know TJ Finley is doing his thing, being one of the most efficient and talented quarterbacks in the nation right now. And their wide receiving court just has a bunch of dudes right now. Joey Hobart, Ashton Hawkins, Cole Wilson. They just have weapons to their disposal. And you just cannot say the same about this Louisiana Monroe team. We're obviously very high on Tyron Howell on this podcast. He's a great receiver. We love what we saw from Darian Wiley, especially in that App State game. But I think a lot of responsibility is going to be on those guys in Jaya Wright. Can they possibly get into a shootout with this team, you can't really expect too much from this defense that's just simply undermanned against a unit like this. They haven't played a unit that's really moved quite like this Texas State team. So I think offensively, can we see ULM maybe do their part as far as keeping this game close and maybe giving their defense more confidence when they're playing this Texas State team? But as far as matchups go, this is just a tough one for the Warhawks. Yeah, these are certainly a, a different set of cats that ULM is going to be facing in this one. Texas State, 16-point favor, over-under at 64. 
Caden, this one was easy for me. ULM, they lost 55-7 to South Alabama last weekend. It's going to be a similar story on Saturday, I fear. Texas State uh, is going to have another massive game on offense and might just hit the over on their own in this game. So give me Texas State to win. I'm going to take the over uh, at 64. Yeah, I can't be mad about you for that one. No, I'm doing the same thing. I'm Texas State to, taking Texas State to win this one and cover, taking the over on the points as well. This is, like I mentioned before on previous episodes, the first time this team has been home in quite a while hosting a game. So I think there's going to be a lot of excitement in that stadium despite them coming off a loss. And I think they're going to really do their part as far as getting this three-game home winning streak off to the right trip. Also, if you take away that ULM game against App State, they've been held to single digits in every one. So I think the, the margin might be a little wide in this one, especially if Texas State is able to keep their foot on the gas in the second half. So give me them winning, them covering, and I'll take the over on the points as well. Well, that will do it for our Week 7 preview presented by Lafayette Travel. It's almost Saturday, and Kane and I are looking forward to another big weekend of Sunbelt football. Before you go, here's a quick reminder. We'll be back on Monday. We'll be dropping our Week 7 recap. We'll recap all this week's biggest games, including the App State versus Coastal Carolina game that I'm sure Cade will have plenty of thoughts about. That'll do it for us here at the Frary and Smith Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please go leave us a five-star review on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, or wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Give us five stars. Let us know what we can be doing better or what you're enjoying. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.